today on CityCast Houston. How much should we worry about the Omicron variants? We're talking to the guy that Houstonians want to hear from whenever we have a question about COVID, our hometown hero, Dr. Peter Hotez. He's co-director of the Texas Children's Hospital Center for Vaccine Development, dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine, and author of five books, most recently, Preventing the Next Pandemic. Today is Monday, December 6th, 2021, and this is CityCast Houston. Peter, thanks for being here. I didn't mention that you were supposed to be the Grand Marshal of the Thanksgiving Day Parade, the one that got rained out. Thanks for uh, having me in your in your new gig here. It looks very exciting. I'm very hey. excited for you and and the whole concept. Um, yeah, I was unfortunate that got sort of rained out. Um, but, you know, I was thinking of someone who's devoted my life to something called neglected diseases. It's quite fitting, right, that I find <laughs> that the, the, the parade I get to be named Grand Marshal is rained out. Um, but it was still great. I mean, yeah. the, we got the start, and uh, the mayor was so kind to me and um, said such beautiful things. And and I made a few remarks. And, and Anne, who's usually uh, quite critical of me, thought she was very moved by my remarks. So even though it only went for a few minutes, uh, it made me feel really good, right? Because I've been getting beat up, as you can imagine, especially these oh, for a long time because of my pro-vaccine position, but the aggressions accelerated in the last two years. So I felt loved. How badly beaten up have you been? Right, because you were what? You were on CNN, MSNBC. Yeah, and I kept hearing this phrase that you have been using too many times in the past couple of years. Is it predicted and predictable? Yeah, well, you know, as I've said, is Mother Nature has told us how she arranges these big sweeping pandemics of COVID variants. You know, when you leave an unvaccinated population too long, then she springs up a new variant. That's how the Alpha variant out of the UK arose in 2020, at the end of 2020, and, you know, outplaced the original variant from central China. And then Delta rose out of an unvaccinated population in, in, in India in 2021 and mm-hmm. outcompeted Delta and overtook Delta. And I said, what do you think is going to happen when you leave the African continent unvaccinated? And so that's the predicted and predictable part. And sure enough, a year later, you know, the, you have the Omicron variant coming out of an unvaccinated population in Southern Africa. And hopefully this one won't, I'm not for reasons that we can talk about, I, I'm not as confident mm-hmm. that it's going to totally outdo it or outcompete Delta. It may in some areas. I'm not certain. I think you might see at least for yeah. a while kind of a, a dual epidemic of Delta and Omicron, at least for a while. And for reasons that we can talk about, I've been suggesting Delta is going to continue to race through unvaccinated populations uh, just because it's so transmissible. And and immune escape, that means that it can get around vaccines that can get around immunity. If you're partially immune to the existing variants, this one has enough mutations, it can get around it. And I think specifically people who've been infected, recovered, but didn't get the vaccine on top of it are going to have a weak level of immunity. And I think they're going to be very susceptible to now Omicron reinfections. And individuals who've gotten two doses of the vaccine, but have had waning immunity, I think they're going to be somewhat susceptible to Omicron. In fact, this one individual, the first index case that we know about in California, looks like it was that latter category, right? Got two doses, but then had waning immunity. So what might happen with Delta? 
I think what you're going to see is a mixed epidemic of Delta and Omicron, with Omicron mostly affecting the partially immune and Delta affecting the disproportionately the unvaccinated. There'll be overlap, of course, but and then the question comes up: What happens? Hey, Doc, I just got my booster, my third immunization. What happens to me? Mm-hmm. And and that right now is the big unknown. I, I tend to be more optimistic than most. I think, you know, with that boost, we've seen a 30 to 40 fold rise in virus neutralizing antibodies. And I think we'll see some decline in the amount of antibodies that work against Omicron, but there'll Mm -hmm. be enough there there to weather it. We'll get some hint of it in the next few weeks. Now we have to go back and vaccinate Africa and, and vaccinate South America and Southeast Asia, vaccinate the Southern Hemisphere. But I'm hoping that will still work because, you know, the evidence that a new Omicron tailored booster Mm -hmm. is going to be the answer. I'm not so sure. I mean, first of all, it's going to take a while to provide evidence for that, that there's benefit. And second, you know, we don't have a lot of precedent to go on because I can't think of an instance where we boosted with a specific antigen like a spike protein and then reconfigured some of the amino acid sequences to confirm that we get a big bump to those specific sequences. I don't know that we've ever done that. Yeah, I mean, okay, do the mRNA vaccines make it possible to do that kind of thing much faster than before? I think it's still a crapshoot whether, you know, as the CEO Moderna says to that they want to look at an Omicron specific booster. I think it'll be interesting to look at, but I don't think by any means it's a slam dunk that that's going to work, or at least as a single dose boost, maybe you'll have to give multiple doses. So that's very messy. So I'm hoping that the third dose big bump in virus neutralizing antibodies does it. So what would you recommend that Houston people do to protect themselves and their families? Whether you're worried about Delta or Omicron or both, you need to do the same thing, which is if you've only gotten two doses and you're eligible now for the third, get it. If you're infected and recovered and you haven't been vaccinated, get it. And if you have kids, get them vaccinated. So the answer for both Delta and Omicron as of today is max out on your vaccines because that's the one thing that you can do to protect yourself and your family. Lots of Texans haven't done that yet. Yeah, we're still underachieving in terms. I mean, the state of Texas, we've only vaccinated half the state of Texas and or 54%. So, you know, there's still a lot more Texans that haven't even gotten a single dose. That's a disaster waiting to happen. We have a long way to go still. Do you think Texas is done with Delta? No, not at all. I think um, I think it'll just be like last year. You know, we had that big summer wave, and and that was really devastating for Texas. Then it went down around into October, November. Then it started cutting up again, and I think that's going to happen yet again. So I'm quite worried about as we head into December, January, another big wave, and and too many Texans are needlessly dying. And my calculation has been that. 20,000 Texans since June 1 of this year who were unvaccinated have needlessly lost their lives. Wow. I mean, that's extraordinary numbers, right? I mean, 20,000 needless deaths. I mean, what other catastrophe can you think of that matches that? It's death by, I don't know what you call it, anti-science defiance or self-immolation or or victimized by the anti-science aggression, uh, much of it politically motivated and partisan in nature. And this is this is just so demoralizing and so awful. So could that coincide with an Omicron wave as well? I mean, could we end up with both at once? Right, half the population is totally unvaccinated. Delta's going to mop up those individuals. And then we've got a lot of partially vaccinated or those infected and recovered 
who think they're protected because they watch too many conservative news outlets and listen to the garbage coming out of the far right. And they're going to be susceptible also potentially to Delta, but I think especially to Omicron, which is so good. I think it's going to be so good at reinfecting people because of those immune escape properties. Ay, ay, ay. And these are both more transmissible than, well, than the original COVID. Delta so, clearly is the right. most transmissible. Exactly how transmissible Omicron is, I don't know yet. Looking at the sequences, it has a lot of the same amino acid substitutions that you find in alpha. So that's why I don't think it'll totally push out Delta like it did the original variant. I think that's why I think we're going to have both in play at least for a while. Okay. And I guess to find out, we just have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. Or or vaccinate the country to stop the whole damn thing. But, <laughs> which okay, would be my first choice and, and vaccinate the state of Texas. But you know, that's that's been a challenge. How are you living your life right now? You are clearly fully vaccinated, boosted. Your family is fully vaccinated and boosted. We are. We are. Um, you know, I'm trying to be conservative. Um, you know, I'm not going to a lot of holiday events. Uh Ironically, I'm going to go to one this evening, um, but a small <laughs> gathering. And Thanksgiving was modest. I got some tickets to a Texans game on December 12th, and I haven't been to a lot of games. And and uh, hopefully that'll be one of the games they actually win. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> Are you eating at restaurants? No, not much. I mean, every now and then if Dan, my youngest mm -hmm. son, and his girlfriend want to go out for dinner... I do it, but the last couple of times we did it and sat outdoors. The weather's still nice, and so that I feel comfortable with. Uh, I haven't been to a lot of indoor restaurants. Yeah, and I know how much you love them. What else should Houstonians be thinking about with COVID? What else is on your mind? Trying to be conservative, um, you know, doing some things, but try to wear a mask when you're if you're indoors at a public place. Try to wear a mask. Um, don't be defiant of that. Get fully vaccinated. Try to keep family gatherings modest in size. And travel, I'm getting a lot of questions about international travel. And, you know, is it safe because of Omicron? You know, I don't know how to answer it right now. I think we'll know more in a, over the next couple of weeks to see how this thing is starting to accelerate or not. Problem is people have to make their holiday plans for travel now, right? They can't buy their right. ticket on December 23rd or 24th. So that's a tough call. I've seen you on TV a lot lately, and you have been very clear that the U.S. needs to do more to make sure that Africa has enough vaccine. Well, I was pretty critical of the Biden administration yesterday. You know, he gave remarks and he boasted, you know, he said, we've given 275 million doses of vaccine in 110 countries. And I said, what are you boasting about? I mean, we need 9 billion doses to vaccinate 3 billion people in the Southern Hemisphere, and that's 275 million. And then he said, we, we need the other countries to step up. And I said, who's supposed to step up? I mean, is it is it Putin? Is it Xi? Is it, <laughs> is it, is it some nameless bureaucrat in the European Commission? I said, President Biden, you've got to step up. You've got to lead this thing. And that's because that's the way it's always been. If you want to do something big in this world, it's got to be led by the United States. And I'm frustrated because our vaccine that's been developed at the Texas Children's Center for Vaccine Development, co-headed by myself and Mary Elena Batazzi, um, you know, we could scale that for the world if we had the support of the U.S. government. Your lab's vaccine, it is intentionally low cost and easy to scale up. It was developed with low-income countries in mind, including those in Africa. But 
If the United States isn't paying for you to develop that, who is? Private philanthropy here in Texas and and also, you know, some foundations in New York, which is a reminder of the, you know, thank God we came to Texas to to be scientists and which is a story that I love telling people outside of Texas, you know, because we have such a awful reputation, you know, people are always surprised. <laughs> Why did you go to Texas? I came to Texas to up my game scientifically. And they, people don't understand. They don't understand the institutions that we have here, Baylor College of Medicine, Texas Children's Hospital, and our amazing Texas Medical Center. I, you know, we could have not have made this vaccine if, and transferred the technology to the world if it wasn't for the fact that we were in Texas. And so as I always say, I came to Texas to do big things and, and it's all worked out really well. I've, we've done big yeah. things. And and so that's very fulfilling also to be able to vaccinate the world now. And and hopefully our vaccine will be released soon for emergency use in India. And I feel very blessed to, to be here. Usually I close these interviews by asking somebody something they love about Houston. You know, when I look back at now the more than a decade that I've been here in Houston, you know, one of the things that's gone well is I've been able to find my voice or as a writer. And I've written four books here. And, and I think about you know, what an extraordinary city Houston is as a city of the arts, right? And the irony is, you know, all the places I've lived, you know, as being a, a university professor in New Haven, Connecticut, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, in New York, and Washington. And the irony is coming to Houston, Texas allowed me to become a writer, which is not something that's intuitively obvious, but, <laughs> I, you know, and trying to really think that through, you know, what, what does that mean? And I think part of it is, I think there's an openness and kindness here and acceptance here, you know, and, you know, to try to become a writer in a place like New Haven and Cambridge, Massachusetts, where everybody's a writer, right? Or New York City and Washington. And I think in retrospect, that was probably intimidating for me. And coming here, I just felt this sort of curtain lift and felt like I could, yeah, become a writer. Thanks, Peter, for being with us. Next up, we've got a little bit of news with producer Farrell Gibbs. Farrell, what is going on in Houston right now? It looks like money is falling out of Lakewood Church's walls behind their toilets. <laughs> there was a caller that called in on a Houston radio morning show, and the topic of the show was to share stories about valuable items they had found over the years. And this plumber found an undisclosed amount of money in the wall of Lakewood Church. Wow. Yeah. And how much money do we think it is? I'm reading this story in the Washington Post. Uh-huh. There was a $600,000 burglary in 2014. The checks from the offering that were found in the wall date back to that burglary. And so this plumber, he gave the money back? He wasn't calling in on a call-in show to say that he had pocketed hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> and left Lakewood. No, he <laughs> he immediately, or Lakewood actually, immediately contacted the Houston Police Department. All right, that's it for CityCast Houston today. We are a daily show, five days a week now, so we will be back tomorrow. And Farrell, you're saying people should sign up for the newsletter? Especially right now. I mean, it's a great newsletter all of the time, but from now until Christmas, we have been bombarded with readers who are sending us great last-minute Houston-centric gift ideas that are awesome, from food items to art to what else. You, you, you know a few. <laughs> I think my favorite's the dog portrait. <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all tomorrow. All right. We should actually yes. do some work. Sorry. Now. My bad. My bad. <laughs>